Hey y'all, have you ever watched a show called The Waltons? It was an uh, it was a CBS show that aired from nineteen seventy three to nineteen eighty one. I know it's today's generation don't remember that show, but grown folks will though. And you know the Walters is in reruns right now, so they have a character named John Boy, right? And they were living in the country in the Great Depression, something like that though. But in this episode of Law and Order SVU, John Boy snaps. Oh, you figure out why. This is Twisted, a Law and Order SVU podcast. What's up, y'all? This is uh, VD Rose, and this is Twisted, a Lord of Order SVU podcast. That's where I recap episodes of Lord Order SVU from the first episode on, though. So you can listen to us on Spotify or WordPress or, you know, Anchor FM and all this stuff, right? All right, so anyway, um, how was your weekend, y'all? Anyway, I know it's cold out there, man. You know what I'm saying? It's cold. It was like maybe like 15 degrees out there the whole weekend, man. And um, next thing you know is that um, it was going to get like a winter storm and stuff like that. I mean, it, it, you know, it just started snowing for a minute and then it changed over to rain and wind. And even though I don't know where I live, I live in the city, in New York, New York City. And you know, upstate, though, they usually get like maybe like a... A foot of snow somewhere, something like that, though. But I would like to see a blizzard out there, you know, one day. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so I mean, I mean, I didn't tell you last week, though. I didn't, I didn't tell you about um, the latest episodes of Law and Order SVU or Organized Crime. But you know, I mean, I gotta catch up to those um, episodes. So I saw the one where um, you know the SVU team teamed up with the Hate Crimes. And they got like um, Ronald Log or uh, Rollins' baby daddy. He's now the uh, boss of the um, hate crimes division. And then they got Calhoun and um, the Detective Diaz from the Bronx SVU. And he, they even got like this guy from American Pie, Jason Biggs. Yeah, the one that you know he uh, humped on that damn <laughs> pie. Like he's so horny and shit like that. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, I haven't seen the, the original American Pie. You know, I mean, it's, I like more urban movies and stuff like that, though. So, and so anyway, the SVU was teaming up with Kate Crimes to stop this guy spreading hate, and they're going against uh, racial attacks against Muslims and Jews and all that stuff, though. Until they all got this one, got the one suspect, which is like a white supremacist or something like that, though, trying to create some bombs and stuff like that, though. Yeah, and, and anyway, on organized crime, it turns out that Weekly is like a two-sided asshole. He is, though. I mean, he um, brings a sailor to help him with this case, and next thing you know, that he turned his back on him and shit like that, though. I mean, I don't know, man. I you know trying to do some evil shit going on around here. I mean. Having the uh, escapee, inviting the escapee to dinner with him and all that stuff, though. So, um, that's awesome. Hopefully, I missed out on um, 
the latest episodes of SVU and Organized Crime. So I got to start watching it maybe later on like today, today or tomorrow or whatever. Okay, so um, by the way, um, I watched the second season premiere of Euphoria and it was wild and crazy. I mean, they started off with like Fez's backstory, how him, Fez and uh, Ashtray was raised by the gun-totting, foul-muffed, drug-dealing grandmother. I'm telling you then, that white lady that stole the show, man. I mean, playing Fez's grandma, Fez's drug-dealing, foul-muffed, drug-dealing grandma, and she was all business and shit like that, though. So, and then she raised Fez to become a drug dealer, working with her and stuff like that as a business partner and all that stuff. And then they adopted this kid because, you know, some junkie whore left him, left him as a gave it to the granny as collateral. Turns out that she never picked him up. And level where she don't give a shit about a kid. I mean, she want to go and get high. So next thing you know is, you know, I mean, the Fez backstory. And then I'm at the end, the Fez and the damn creepy ass dude does this. He, he is at a party and Fez beat the shit out of him. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm getting hooked with this euphoria show and shit like that, though. But I mean, but it was, but I pay more attention to Fez's tough, as Fez's tough talking, foul mouth, gun toning, drug dealing grandma. I mean, she owned the first ten minutes of the show and stuff like that. Though, I mean, it, it was crazy stuff like that. I have to watch this shit all over and over again, man, because she ain't no joke. Damn, yeah, she got the damn balls, and you know, it's played by that um, Sopranos album, Catherine Deducci. Just give it, bring it out, just out there. All right, so uh, right now we're going to deal with today's episode. I mean, I'm telling you right now, this is the season two finale of Law and Order SVU. And um, it's going to show you that the um, country boy has snapped. I mean, you seen the show Snapped on um, Oxygen Network? I mean, this guy, he, he went on a kill, he went on a killing spree. And yeah, yeah, I'm talking about, yeah, John Boyd, the damn country boy, he snapped, going around killing random, pe- random people and shit like that. And you know, no matter what, has, I think his disease is making him, this, no, it's just, excuse me, it's this deteriorating disease that's making him do these kind of shit, though. So let's get to the episode. All right, we're on Law and Order SVU, Season 2, Episode 21, Scourge. And it aired on NBC on May 11, 2001. And teleplay by Robert Campbell and Jonathan Green. And story by Neil Barrier, directed by Alex Sarsuski. You know, he's the guy that's the cinematographer from Oz. Now, before I get to the episode, I want to say that um, the second season of Law and Order SVU only have 21 episodes. I mean, why do you only have 21 episodes for season two? Because normally, you're supposed to be having 22 episodes per season. I don't know why y'all stop at 21, though. I mean, so this episode here is the season finale of SVU, and it aired on NBC on May 11th, 2001. And um, this is before everything be changing and stuff like that, though. Everything, like I said, everything is going to be changing here in this country, though. When it comes to, like, uh, lockdowns, I mean, I'm not talking about the COVID-19, though, right? 
this is 2001 because i'm going to tell you that um this country was going to go through some drama in the coming months and going to be there's going to be a little changes and i'm not talking about that song from david bowie okay we're at the opening scene it's nighttime and a couple are, are coming returning home from a play and the wife complains that the place sucks and shit like that. And the husband goes on saying, you know, this play's been critically acclaimed and nominated such and such and all. So, I mean, they just having like a, they're not arguing or anything like that. You know, they're just debating if the play was good or bad. I mean, it shows you that a husband loves the play and the wife hates it. And then during the conversation, you know, this homeless guy with the hoodie and a coat, he shoves the husband to the side. And next you know, he tries to dash across the street and the taxi almost runs him over. The taxi stops and then the bum slams his hand on it like, and I, you know, you see this guy is like, he's probably drunk or something like that though. And then he just, um, he, and then they you know the bum just runs off though. I mean, you couldn't see his face. So I'm assuming it's probably a homeless guy. who's probably going some drunken rampage or something like that though. So. So the husband, though, he sees the guy run off after always being hit by a taxi. He was like drunk and fool. And his wife notices there's blood on his coat. Next thing you know, they go to this alley right next to the building and they see like a fire right there, right by the garbage cans. Okay, so um, we cut to Benson. He arrived on the scene. He's talking to a cop. And it turns out that the um, police. Uh, Police said that they found like a body of a hooker that's been badly burned and stuff like that, though. And um, we see um, um, Warner there, Dr. Warner, you know, Tamara Tooney was there examining the body. Turns out that she, um, she knows it's probably like a hooker or something like that, though. And um, and it was like she was probably been shot. And then uh, Warner replied, barbecued. <laughs> So, <laughs> so it turns out that the perp killed the prostitute and set her ass on fire. So, and then you know, then a couple knows, and a couple they interviewed, you know, they say it was some kind of like a homeless guy who shoved them with blood on his hand, stuff like that. So, he probably did it and stuff like that, though. So, they're looking for the guy who shoved the husband with his bloody hands. And then he, and the next thing you know, he starts almost getting hit by a taxi. He just run off and stuff like that, though. Okay, we go to the opening credits, right? And um, we go to Act One and open the scene. Is this um, a vendor is talking to uh, Benson Stabler, and he sees the Pert was talking some religious gibberish and stuff like that. And then before he hailed a taxi and just ran off and stuff like that, though. Meanwhile, much of Ben is talking to the employee at the souvenir shop. And he tells him that the, that the perp, the suspect, came in with threatening him with some religious threats and something like that, though. And the, the worker tells him to get his ass out of the store or something like that, though. That's all it is, though. So much has been looking around the souvenir shop. I mean, <clears throat> I have been to the souvenir shop before. I mean, I'm just browsing around. Sometimes I usually get to buy it to like a, a belt or something like that. But, but, you know, the souvenir shop is nothing for tourists and stuff like that. So I'm not a tourist. I was born and raised in New York City, so I usually just go around and find some buy something cheap, though. I mean, other than that, though, 
Why did I bother going to souvenir shop though? Okay, we're in the squad right now, and uh, the you know, and the victim who was like killed and burned to death though, and she's ID'd as Cassie Horner, a prostitute. So, and she had, she was um. <clears throat> next thing you know that um, Craig suggested that um, tells much that she could pay her colleagues or coworkers a visit, stuff like that though. So, we cut to the street. And then much is finished there. They driving up to the corner. They see the hooker standing there, stuff like that, though. And one of the hookers comes, steps up and all something, and then offers them sex. And then, however, though, Munch tells them that they're looking for Cassie. And then Munch and Finn they hooking them up with some coffee and donuts. And you know, um, and then they tell her that they will mention something about the girl named Cassie. And the hookers know about Cassie, stuff like that. So they all came over, stuff like that, though. They, they, and you know, Munch and Finn's talking to the prostitutes. I mean, Munch doesn't have a problem with prostitutes because, you know, he be having sex with his ladies, marry them, and stuff like that. So, he's much just like a street dude. But <clears throat> if he's iced tea is there on the side, I mean, I mean, if he, if he, if imagine what if he played a pimp or something like that, I mean, some girls would be flocking to him and shit like that, though. So, um, I mean, it would be it would be fit for like uh, iced tea and stuff like that. Be Finn, be at pimp or something like that. But anyway, that's another story. All right <clears throat> now. So Munch and Finn are talking to the hookers um, about Cassie, and one of the hookers said that um, said that that crazy said that the one of them, uh, Cassie ran off with a guy, crazy some crazy dude, and his his name was David, and then. That's all it is, though. So, the perp's name is David. So, <clears throat> and he was one of them crazy guys, you know. And then, and then one of the hookers says, that "Who's gonna look out for our girl?" All right, we cut to the morgue, and uh, Warren discovers forty-two stab wounds, right? And you know that was so much and stuff like that. Forty-two stab wounds. I mean. She was stabbed by this guy named David multiple times. I mean, the one that she had a date with, you know, or had sex with, something like that. So now they're trying to find out. <clears throat> excuse me. Now they're going to try it out, find out um, that it, the the last John that she had sex with, though. So, and uh, they run the DNA. And they show that uh, Cassie was with this guy named Norman Fredericks, who was on parole for rape. And um, next thing you know is that. Um, He's currently he current back then he's currently working as a contractor. I mean some construction stuff like that though. So what they do they go to find Norman at his job, and next thing you know is that um they spot Norman and then um the detectives Vincent Stabler, much of Finn, they get they chase uh Norman after he tries to get away and stuff like that. Next thing you know, they call it to him and they arrest his ass and all that stuff though. So we're in an interrogation room, and Norman claims that he admitted that he had sex with um, Cassie, and then it just went home and went about his business. And he told him he told him he didn't kill Cassie anything like that. All he did was he had sex with her, and he decided to go home and you know take the train, take the ferry back to Staten Island, and all that stuff. Though, so he denies killing Cassie. All he did was that that, that he. He fucked. He fucked her, and then you know, oh no, she gave or she gave him a blowjob, and then went home to have Sand Island. That's all he did, though. However, though, and 
Trayden calls him out of the interrogation room, Benson Sailor tells him that another victim was found. M another victim was murdered. Now, we cut to these one of these brownstone row houses in the daytime, and they discover another woman found dead with the same weapon. You know, it's probably like a knife or something like that, though. But she looks like she was dressed as a hooker or anything like that, though. So, um, and, um, and then and, and they see, they think it is like this Jack the, Jack the Ripper or something like that. I don't know what it is. And that's crazy, though. Okay, that's the end of Act 1. Now we go to Act 2. Hey, I'm going to tell you this. This other lady who was originally be a hooker, turns out she wasn't a hooker. And the uh, detective must tell Cragen that the victim is ID'd as Teresa Folsom, who was 24 years old, and she's a publicist. So that's, that is so... It goes that hooker theory right there. So, and so, I mean, and even Norman Fredericks, though, I mean, he had nothing to do with this, though. So, however, so, I mean, they might try and, um, and so they just keep him on hold, though, see if he's conducted these little stabbings and killings and stuff like that. I don't know what it is, though. So, we go into like the police in the hallway and, um, Munch and Finn is talking to um, Teresa's roommate, and uh, she's like an Asian-looking lady, right? And she says that she partied with Teresa the night before she died, though. And um, and and she also tells them that Teresa wasn't wasn't a hooker, but she had a boyfriend. All right, so we're back in the squad room, and no, no, we back in the office, Craig's office, and that we found out that Frederick. Norman Fredericks isn't their prior suspect because based on two blood types, though, Norman is not Nor Frederick. Norman is not connected to these um, fatal stabbings and stuff like that. So they decided to let him go. So Craigan was like, "Let's bring let's bring Wong into this conversation." So later on, we in the squad room, and then Doctor Wong is there giving like a like a little pep talk. He comes out at night and focuses his rage at prostitutes and women that he believes to be prostitutes. Just like London, 1888. Not Jack the Ripper. Ripperologists are convinced that His Royal Highness Prince Albert Victor committed the deeds. And I understand the royal family is still smarting over that, but could we please continue? Well, actually, Captain, uh, our guy may be a wannabe, especially if he's a paranoid schizophrenic. How do you explain a fire? Well, your witnesses say that he talked of hellfire and damnation. Maybe he thought that the victims were... The devil. He didn't torch the second woman. Well, maybe he heard footsteps and ran off. Some witnesses reported that he seemed drunk or high. Well, some schizophrenic self-medicate with alcohol. So who are we looking for, Doc? A man mentally ill since childhood or early adulthood. Could possibly have been institutionalized, not able to keep a job, lives alone, strong religious delusions, and he might have command hallucinations. Okay, you can notice that Dr. Wong looked a little different in the episode. But you can see that's the usual style. I mean, now you got the spiky hair and he got like no glasses. Cause I remember uh, last episode, he had like a hair combed down and he like, had like a little beard and glasses, stuff like that. So this is the Dr. Wong, the, you know, the personality Dr. Wong that we usually know, man. You got no glasses and all that stuff though. And the spiked up hair and shit like that though. But Dr. Wong's little style we changing now and then and stuff like that though. And now so so Dr. Wong says that the perp is probably mentally ill and all that stuff. And then he had like some like uh 
diagnosis when he was young, something like that, though. So Munch also mentions it that um, <laughs> they had a paper out saying that the guy is like Jack, Jack the Ripper and shit like that, though. I mean, hmm. So Craigan wants them to, they say, it turns out Craigan says that the, um, the perp or David or the perp, though, he hailed a cab right after he's killing, killing he killed um, the Cassie the prostitute. So they want Benson Stabler to check the cabs and stuff like that. So we are somewhere in this little cab workplace and all stuff, and then then Benson Stabler is talking to this dude, right? He's like the boss or something like that. And they just want to find the receipts from the paperwork, see if um, which um, cab that um, the their prime suspect um, had hailed or rolled on. So, so they they mentioned something about that cab driver. I mean, he's like um, he he, he they look at the cab driver, right? He's the one that gave him a ride, something like that. So they start looking for him. However, though, they find his address in Brooklyn, and this is this African dude, right? Um, he says that um, he wasn't driving on the night, but he he tells him that his cousin uh, picked the suspect up. So his cousin comes out of the, his bedroom, and um, he tells Benson Sabler, saying that the guy had these wild eyes and a bushy beard. Though there's a description right there, though, about this guy named David, something like that, though. So, and um, the... The cousin also mentions that the guy with the beard gave him the bloody twenty dollar bill, and Benson Stabler wanted to see that bill, and then he was like, "I spend it." Damn, you spend that blood money from a damn crazy ass dude? Come on, y'all. Spent twenty. Let me clear my throat. I gotta drink some salsa because I need some fluids in my system, man. I'm like DJ Cool. Let me clear my throat. Do you remember that song? That was back in the '90s. You know, I don't know. The young generation don't understand though, but y'all grown folks do, right? All right. Now, meanwhile, you know, we're at the cab place. Much of Finn checked the cab, and then they get a call. And it turns out that Jack the Ripper has struck again. That's what Finn said. Jack the Ripper struck again. So, um, you know, it's like um, it turns out that the crazy-ass dude is struck again. So we at the arcade, and we got this a good Samaritan dude. He's a big guy. He said he got stabbed, right? And um, however, though, he tells the detectives that he sees the... The perp attacked and stabbed the boy and his father. And when he came in to help and, and stuff like that, though, the perp, the perp turned that pulled the knife on him and stabbed him too. I mean, that you stab a guy in the stomach. I mean, that's crazy, something like that, though. So Stabler comes in and then he he asks what's going on, and then the detectives give him a run around that the guy was he got stabbed by two, two, maybe almost three suspects. And Craig was like, Warner's on his way, though. He's going to be doing um, investigation and do some insight and research and all that stuff. So, I mean, they weren't bringing Warner a lot. I mean, he's part of this thing and all that stuff, though. So, if the stable is talking to the mother of the victims, you know, the you know the, um, the father and the son and stuff like that, though. And it was gruesome, stuff like that. So, Stabler comforts her, stuff like that, though. 
So we go in the bathroom and Dr. Warren is there. And it turns out the, the, the father and the son were fatally stabbed to death with the same ass knife. And then that and that was like the same one. One was like, yeah. That's the uh, end of act two, man. So this guy, he murders four people. So that's like a serial killer going crazy. I mean, he had he, is he a psycho? I mean, what was his motive though? Stabbing four people. I mean, you he killed a prostitute, uh work um a publicist. No, not she's not a prostitute, and he and then the second one, and he, he killed a father and his son. That leaves a wife as a widow and without family. Something is going on right here, though. So, all right, we're in the second half of the story. We're in Act Three, and Craigan has like a debrief meeting for with the task force. Force, and they say that this guy he was stabbing four people already. He's like a serial killer, so they want to get him off the street as soon as possible. This is. So this is some serious shit, though. I mean, they want really, really look for find this this perp, this suspect, though. So Craigan tells him to get to work. So say Craigan comes to Sable and tell him he you gonna handle the phone calls, and then Sable is like, why? And Craigan says, I can count on you. I mean, you you the guy to get your trust, though. And Sable is like, let's go find this perp. So um, okay now so um, the. So you know the lady, the mother, lady from one of the victims comes. Mother comes and talks to Stabler, and then Stabler brings her to his office and um, for a talk is like that. I mean, the mother was like grieving stuff like that though. And so I mean, so next thing you know is that uh, meanwhile we're at the morgue. Warner says that the perp used the same coat to kill his victims. So he's checking all the fiberglass or something like that. He 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 kills his victims with the same ass coat. I mean, like he always wears stuff like that. I mean, just like you know, when a couple wins a guy in the coat though. Mm-mm-mm. So there's there might be a, there might be a link some evidence something like that though. Okay, so um, we see we're in the hallway in the precinct and Ben you know Munch and. Uh, Benson and then they go on, probably probably go out somewhere, probably call it a night. And then Craig and stops and they tell the, te- the Texas that there's a disturbance somewhere in the East Village. And they, they got these good Samaritans surrounding the guy right now. So the detectives go down there and they see a crowd. They they attack this dude who was sh- shouting like World War Three, Armageddon, end of the world, stuff like that, though. And then when they look at that, that the, 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 with the suspect, Turns out that he has no beard. He probably shaved it. So Finn was like, yo, yo. Finn tells the crowd, that's not our guy. The guy had a beard. And one of the good Samaritans said, he shaved it He shaved it off, man. They, they think, those Samaritans think, these vigilantes, they think they, 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 that the guy's trying to fool them. But they, the detectives tell them that that's not the, their, their guy, though. They say they were looking for a guy with a beard. And the guy who was shot in World War Three is he he's clean shaven. So, but but they, I mean um, they decided to take the guy to the hospital. I don't mean I don't think he had anything to do with this. Maybe because he has like a mental state something like that though. Okay, so um, we're in the back at the precinct. We're in somewhere in the office. I, I don't know if it's Craig's office or what stuff like that. So um, Sable is there behind the desk with the phones and stuff like that, and then um. 
everyone should fan the best and come in, check on Stabler. And Stabler tells him, you know, just get some rest, you know. And Finn was like, you don't have to ask me twice. And then Munch and Finn late leaves. So um, Prince and Stabler have this little talk. And they discover that um, that someone gave a check with bloody Prince on it. So we go to this um, grocery store. And the Prince and Stabler are talking to this dude. I mean, the worker, he already opened up the store, though. He, she said... He, he tells the detectives that um, the check was in, inside his safe or something like that. So they open the safe. Turns out they find the bloody check. And his, the check was issued for Paula Varney, right? So we go to um, Paula's, Paula, this is a, Paula's Varney's apartment. And um, somewhere in Brooklyn, I had something like that, though. And um, Mrs. Varney... Paula Vardy tells the Benson Sailor that she gave the check to her husband, Daniel, something like that, though. Oh, shit, Dan, there's something like that. Because um, what happened was with the, the the hooker who she had a date with and then killed by that guy turns out to be Daniel because um, the hookers the hookers mentioned that uh, that Cassie was, 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 was a guy named Daniel. So... So Daniel might be this little suspect, something like that, though. So Mrs. Varney tells Paula Varney tells him that the, her, she and her husband, um, they were close and down. She told him that uh, Daniel had problems a few years ago, and then they were like it's strange or something like that. So it's like um, he um, he had like some kind of um, medical or mental episode, something like that, and then. Their marriage started to deteriorate and stuff like that, though. So, Mrs. Barney, um, Mrs. Barney is worried about her husband because um, she was freaking what he did this time. And they tell her that he, he just said they wanted to talk to him, and then he, he probably he's like a, a something murder, something like that, though, because he has something to do with these um, kill, killings. So. Paul Lavardi tells Mr. Sabler that um, Daniel is working at a church. And usually stays there sometimes like that, though. So, Mr. Sabler go in the church. They go upstairs. And they find their husband, their man Daniel, mopping stuff like that. And, yo, I didn't believe this. It's, it's John Boy from the Waltons. Now, who's that? Um, who's that after playing? Um, um, Mr. Daniel Barney. Come with us. Come with us. What's the record enough? Everything your message is unclean. Why? Why did surgery transform me? Why? Why did you destroy me when I bring them your message? No, not to destroy you. He wants to reward you. They will judge me! Alright, that happened to be Richard Thomas. He played John Boy from the Waltons from 1972 to 1981. And he's mostly remembered on that show playing John Boy. Do you remember the, um, the last scene where they go to bed and they all say each other's goodnights? They were like, goodnight, John Boy. Goodnight, Sally Mae. Goodnight, Catherine. Goodnight, the Tommy Boy. You know what I mean, right? Now, um, I forgot to mention now. 
he that you see he plays um uh, a suspect in the episode so now i forgot to mention who's the actress that's playing um uh, uh, mrs varney uh the day before yesterday when i gave him the check I helped support him. You're divorced. Separated. It's hard to explain. Daniel's had some problems. What kind of problems? Three years ago, he started losing it. He got fired from his job. I had to start teaching again. We didn't get divorced so Daniel could stay on my medical insurance. All right, that happens to be Karen Allen. She was in the movie Animal House and Radio's of the Lost Ark with Harrison Ford and stuff like that, though. And um, she did some TV and um, movies and stuff like that. So, anyway, I forgot to mention that lady's name. So, back to the scene when Benson Stabler find John Boy at the church. Or I could call him Daniel, I mean. So, next thing you know is that Daniel was like, Oh, did God set you to judge me? Are you coming to punish me, something like that? And then next thing you know, he starts like getting shaky and nervous. Next thing you know, he pulls out a knife and Benson pleads um Daniel that they want to talk to him or something like that. So and um Daniel's like, You God came here to judge me. And he pulled out a knife like that. So um Benson's trying to be a negotiator, trying to be a peacemaker. And um Daniel Daniel doesn't know that Stabler is right behind him. He subdues Daniel. Puts him on the floor, and then Daniel starts screaming, "You can't judge me! You can't judge me!" So best is say they arrest Daniel at the church, and then you know they bring Daniel into the precinct and where Biddy is present and something like that. Though, so we in the and we we cut to the interrogation room, and say Benson comes in, sees Barney, and um you know Daniel Barney or or I should call him John Boy, right? So turns out that I want to say this that John Boy has snapped. You know, you've seen that you've seen that show Snap on auction, something like that though. I mean, they got finally got the man. I mean, shoot. He that he that he um murdered four people like a serial killer. So um John Boy begs um Detective Benson to kill him and something like that though, interrogation room. However, though, we outside of the interrogation room, Captain is there, Craig is there. They decided they could bring him in court, have him raid and all that stuff though. So we're in the arraignment right now, and um, this is um, John, Daniel, aka John Boy Barney. <laughs> Daniel's there in the court. He's being arraigned, and he has his lawyer with him, something like that, though. And then Barney asks the judge if he's God. And then the judge was like, I'm just a judge here, sir. I'm not doing anything like that, though. And then Barney, he just starts getting enraged, saying, so why are you judging me and stuff like that? Next thing you know, he yo he snaps and he he and yo he hits his he hits his lawyer with his hands, both hands, knocking him out. Bam! Well, shit! Oh my goodness, John boy has snapped, man. In court, and he going around saying, "You can't judge me! You can't judge me!" And you know that you know the cops, you know the security, they subdue him and they drag his ass away out of the courtroom and stuff like that. I mean, yo, yo. And the lawyers there, he got like a big ass bruise on his damn head. I mean, yo, John Boy has snapped, saying, You can't judge me. You can't judge me. Well, guess what? You already judged. I'm correcting your ass. Well, that dude would have got mental issues. He's gone crazy, man. The guy got spirits in him, y'all. Damn, yo. Ah, oh, shoot. 
And so we at at four when we're outside a courthouse, and Mrs. Varney begs Cabot to let him hit live because he's so sick. And Cabot's like, Nah, nah, I gotta go for the law. I'm going to the death penalty and shit like that, though, and all that stuff. I mean, Mrs. Varney is not happy about that, though, because you know she knows that he's mentally ill. He has a he has a sickness he has control, but Barney is no, no. Cabot's like, I'm in part of the law, though. I'm Alexander Cabot, though. I'm I have like a black hair with white strips on it, though. I'm a fucking fucking skunk. Well, you are a skunk, all right. <laughs> Remember that um, Alexander Cabot from the cartoon called Josie and the Pussycats? Do y'all remember that the um, cartoon show, Josie and the Pussy Pussycats? I'm going to tell you this, though. They had a movie out in 2001. I mean, that's somewhere in the spring 2001. That's the time season, so season two aired on NBC. I mean, the finale. But they did have a live-action movie version of Josie and the Pussycats back in uh, spring 2001, I believe. So, um, okay, so... um. Was we had um we had this um psychiatric hospital stuff like that though and um and John Boy he tells um no should I say Mike Daniel he tells Dr Wong that God told him to kill these people oh shit <laughs> oh my goodness I gotta tell you something that he got dude got spirits on him because. He did. God told him to kill. More like Satan told him to kill. I mean, shoot. Because Daniel's thinking that the prostitute is wicked and the girl's wicked. I don't know. That's messed up, though. So, we're in the courthouse, and then um, we see Wong talking to Cabot, though. And she's seeking the death penalty. But Wong says, no, nah, otherwise, he needs to get some medication because he... Um, has like a psychotic break or something like that, though. I mean, he doesn't need a death penalty. So they have this little debate on what's going on like that, though. So, and then, however, though, um, we at the, um, back at the um, Mrs. Varney's apartment, though, Detective Benson asks um, Mrs. Varney for Daniel's medical records because they want to find out what his mental state was and what made him kill these people, though. Even though the wife refuses to give him the files, but then she's decided otherwise to get Benson medical records. We're back at the squad room right now, and um, Dr. Wong talks to the detectives, and he tells them that that, um, Daniel has advanced syphilis. And Wong also says that his brain is Swiss cheese, and it's moral... His capacity is gone, so and it turns out that um, it's it's uncurable. So, advanced syphilis that means that um, it's like he's dying. He is um, he is suffering from a disease that cannot go away. In other words, though, that disease can't be cured because it's advanced. Uh, it's an advanced uh, syphilis or advanced STD. So. He might, so it turns out that Daniel might, might have got it after he was uh, banging a prostitute before he married his wife and then had the kids. So that happened like years ago, something like that, though. So that what causes his um, rage and shit like that, though. So, um, so is this, so 
so and Doctor Wong says that uh, he has uh, STD that will never ever recover. So that's messed up, y'all. Damn. So be back in. So we back at the um, department, and it's um, Mrs. Barney says that um, her husband had life insurance, life insurance, but has been rejected. So, so they had to go. Benson Stable had to look into this uh, life insurance company. And it turns out that the insurance company that Daniel was with, they knew Daniel had syphilis, and they had they had nothing to do about it. They, I mean, they, it was like that's not our problem, really. They, you know, the insurance company knew that he had syphilis. I mean, if they found out, they weren't giving medication right away. But you know what happened is that these assholes, although they was like, uh, uh, hey, hey, that's not my problem, though. They knew that he had syphilis. They just don't. They just don't give a shit. And then like, yeah, like it's his fault or something like that. Though, I mean, if he knew, they should. They shouldn't give him proper medication so that way that he will be stable or something like that. But they didn't do nothing, y'all. So, okay, we're inside this office, and then um, they Mr. Stabler. They confront this guy, Malcolm Hunt. He runs the insurance company, something like that, though. And then. <laughs> Next thing you know, they arrest the guy, Malcolm Hunt, and all that stuff. So, okay, so we're at the um, Kevin's office, and um, Hunt is there with his lawyer. And Kevin wants Hunt to report all the cases and, and, and all the medical records because they didn't do it. They didn't do anything with it for Daniel or something like that because of his um, advanced syphilis. I mean, he has an uncurable STD or something like that, though. And. <laughs> Oh, Malcolm Hunter or Malcolm Jamal Water. I mean, he he just being a jerk though. She so she wants Hunter to report all the cases and stuff like that though, or he will he will get punishment and then he'll be sued and everything like that though, or get some jail time. All right, so we um, last scene we're in a courtroom, and the judge decides that. Um, that Daniel is unfit for trial, and he just decides to send him to a psychiatric ward until he's fit to proceed. And then Benson Stable was like, fit to proceed? And Benson replied, which is never. So it turns out, though, I mean, he courts adjourned, and the case is dismissed. You know, he, he's unfit for. And Daniel, or AKA John Boy, he's going to be sent to a psych ward for probably for the rest of his life. So he's fit to, fit to proceed, but. Hey, since since his uh, his uh, SC, he has an uncurable sexually transmitted disease. So I mean, his his life is deteriorating out of the eyes. And you know, Mrs. Barney looks at Benson Stabler. She glares at him for a moment without saying anything. And then she was not happy about this one. And then she just leaves the courtroom. And Benson Stabler leaves the courtroom. And um, that's the end of the episode. That's the, that's the end for the season season two finale. Well, um, then that's one hell of a season finale of season two, right? So, you know that the John Boy, you know, he gone crazy, man. And I'm not talking about that Prince song, Let's Go Crazy. But, you know, um, you also wanted to give you an issue about mental illness. I mean... I see, I heard on the news, I see you got these homeless people pushing people to the tracks. In other words, shoving people on the tracks, killing them. Because recently I heard on the news saying that the homeless man um, shoved an Asian woman to death. 
on the tracks and then, then she get hit by a train. I mean, yo, it goes to show you that our mental illness is bad out there. I mean, it's just getting worse and worse because I feel sorry for the homeless people or anything like that, though. Well, I mean, but you want to try to kill somebody? I mean, that person just got spirits on them. So when I'm on the train, I got to be careful. I mean, my surroundings because you never know. People be acting crazy sometimes and stuff like that, though. So, um, and, you know, sometimes, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to hit on homeless people because sometimes, you know, they probably lost their homes or they probably do it then to themselves coming to drugs. I don't know. I mean, I mean, let me tell you something. I, I got played by a homeless man because I was hooking him up some food and then he dumps it on the damn street without even eating it. Like saying he want to get diapers. I didn't know I don't know the state of these people in, but um, but anyway, anyway, the guy going on like a killing spree, killing four people at random. This has something to do with like a mental illness, but it has something to do with the deteriorating sexually transmitted disease. I mean, John Boy got the S got like a syphilis from a hoe, and oh no disrespect. And then I'm gonna tell you something. I mean. Wear a damn condom, I mean, yo. Oh my, some sick, but um, mental illness is a big issue, and then you know, but it has something to do with like evil spirits and all that stuff, though. So, just gotta be careful, watch what you say, watch what you do, because yeah, I know people are crazy out there, and then we don't know what they're out of their mind, they like be out of their minds and stuff like that, though. So, anyway, I mean. I really wanted to bring in Neil Bear. You know, he he was a former showrunner of Law or SVU. And I wanted to interview him and ask him about a few questions on certain episodes and how he doing like he shot and stuff like that though. That's why I wanna know. I mean the guy never got back to me. I mean, why why? Some bullshit. I don't know. But anyway, you know, I mean, um I really wanna interview Neil Bear. I mean Hopefully, if I had, like, the resources or the power, I don't know what it is, though. But, hey, it is what it is. I mean, you know, people in the industry, though, they just don't care about people, ordinary people in the world. And maybe just their pride and egos and shit like that, though. I ain't talking about no ego trip or anything like that, though. But, hey. Now, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I've already... Look for the episode. Look for the episodes of season two of SVU because I already have the DVD version of season two. But next week, though, we're gonna be starting ep- starting the episodes from season three. Yeah, we're gonna yes, we're gonna be dealing with season three. You know, and all I'm saying, and Doctor Wong's gonna be there, and then we're gonna add maybe some new characters. I don't know what it is though, but season two. I mean. I mean, I'm going to tell you something. Season 2 had the shortest episodes, like 21 episodes. I mean, just 21 episodes. Yo. I mean, normally there's 22 episodes in a season. I don't know why they have to stop 22 episodes short. But, I mean, I'm going to give you a little reason why. Because um, I'm going to talk about Season 3. I'm going to go and discuss a little bit about the third season of Lord or the SVU. Because, um... They did some changes and stuff like that, so so we're gonna get into that. So um, anyway, um, next week, like I said, next week though, we're gonna be reviewing episodes from season three of Law and Order SVU. 
All right. So I just want to say that they uh, thank y'all for listening in for my fans. And um, I'm not going to stop like Miley Cyrus, though. We're going to do it from one episode to infinity. I mean, I'm going to be with you for the next 11 months. So um, hopefully you'll be safe out there. And um, like this is BD Rose. And Law and Order is Twisted. A Law and Order SVU podcast is written, produced, directed by my, yours truly, myself. And um, edited by myself. I mean, I, I, I have, I'm a one-man show. Damn, I wish I had a partner with me. So anyway, so I want to say um, have a blessed week, y'all. And um, this program has been recorded in my house like the Mary J. Bird girls.